0: This episode we're going to meet ron and lisa randall they are both from the midwest now living in california there's a number of really interesting aspects to their relationship ron is african american lisa is from a conservative or traditional jewish family and they met out in st louis they married in 1978 which is interesting because it was just 11 years after the landmark civil rights decision that was passed by the U.S. Supreme Court in Loving versus Virginia. If you can believe it, at that time, the court had to rule that state laws barring interracial marriage violate the U.S. Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. You'll hear them talk about their reflection on that and then their own experiences of ethnic and racial challenges. You'll also hear how they found a spiritual harmony that helped them to relate to that and to get through it in a very personal way. Hope you'll enjoy this uh, this interview. They're they're a terrific couple, Ron and Lisa Randall. Was well, a delight to talk with both of you guys today, and uh, thanks for being with us, Ron and Lisa. Thank you.
1: It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, um, so I'm looking forward to to you're telling us a little bit about your story and your family. So uh, Lisa, I, I'm going to start with you, if you don't mind, if you could just share a little bit about your, your cultural formation, where that took place, um, the things that went into making your identity.
1: Okay. I um, was born and raised in um, St. Louis, Missouri. Jewish. I grew up in a conservative Jewish household. Um, we lived in a, I would say 90 to 95% Jewish community. So we had a lot of Jewish support around us. And, uh, you know, whenever there was an event, we would um, all be together, you know, our family, our neighbors. So um, I went to Hebrew school. I went to Sunday school. I got bas mitzvah. Um, we had, a, we lived in a kosher home. Uh, totally loved and enjoyed celebrating all of the holidays. That was; Those were the special parts to me of, of Judaism. And um, it also gave me a belief in God. I knew there was a God. I was always raised that way. I kind of felt God was out in the atmosphere somewhere, but uh, I always knew he was there. Um, so that was kind of my cultural upbringing. I was just totally immersed in the Jewish culture from birth.
0: Yeah. Where did your, where did your family come from, by the way, before St. Louis?
1: Uh, Chicago. Okay. They were in Chicago. And then before them, my dad's family was from Russia and my mom's family was from Austria. Yep. So. <laughs>
0: very common huh yeah yeah yes yeah okay Uh, and ron was the cultural formation ethnic identity for your family as you're growing up
2: yeah uh well i come from a family of five and both of my parents were believers in jesus and but it would become it would be later on in my life that i accepted jesus though um if you know anything about the Black culture, uh, particularly during segregation, but even more so then, the social fabric of uh, the uh, Black community, the central uh, meeting place was a church. And so, and that has a inc- powerful, very powerful impact on your life, particularly if your family was uh, deeply immersed in it and my, my family was, so... Um, the understanding that there was a God that that loved me um, was something that I knew about and was reinforced uh, throughout uh, my family. I, we had a huge family. You we know, were five kids, my grandparents, um, a lot of cousins. My grandparents had 11 kids, and so um, we're all uh, so closely connected so my dad was a was a pastor Mm. and so that growing up then you know was all about doing what was what the 10 commandments said and um so i had a really good understanding you know even of a little bit of judaism even then just based upon the emphasis really in black churches uh, around even supporting Israel and loving the Jewish people and that Jesus himself was a Jew. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, so that, that, that's what we grew up with. And, um,
0: did, you know, did in, in that area of St. Louis, did you have contact with, uh, and friends who happened to be Jewish?
2: That, I think that's a really interesting question. My impression, the first impression I ever got of of Jews was the stores in the community were owned by Jews. And so I remember the, the signs, uh that I absolutely loved that couple. They loved my grandparents. And so my impression, it was a very positive experience. Um, uh, they were sensitive. You, I always felt like I was talking when I was talking to somebody white, again, having grown up, growing up in segregation. That these that Mr. Freestine and Mrs. Freestine were very open to engage in and um, and talk to uh, our family and family and other African Americans that came into their store because only African Americans came in their store. They were so kind and and sweet. So that was the impression that I got that actually whites could be friendly. with them and so that that was it was just a very positive experience and i think that had an impact on the community i never heard anything negative said among other people in the community about mr and Mrs. time
0: you being in in missouri at a time when segregation was going through that uh civil rights era and, yeah. and being challenged. Ron, did you experience racism? I mean I that's kind of a stupid question because I, I I assume that you did. Yeah. Um and, and Lisa, did you experience anti-Semitism in in the area you grew up? Ron, I'll toss it over to you. Yeah,
2: I mean I I um, you 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 grow up uh, with this sense that this is the way things are. And um So when I moved out of the community, I was much more sensitive than to um, uh, purposeful acts that were kind of perpetrated towards me. Um, You know, just not being able to go to restaurants and and things like that. Um, Or uh, hearing a lot on radio and tv it was kind of interesting going the 1963 and on after the march on washington that um, left an impression on me having i was going to an all pretty much all predominantly all white school high school my parents had intentionally moved from the inner city out to a community that had an enclave of blacks that attended that attended uh, this, this uh, integrated high school. And it was probably about 90, 99% white. And um, I just remember not being able to go to restaurants, not being able to uh, park from school. And so in a sense, I mean, yeah, those are, maybe they're not personal attacks, but the, but the institution of it. Right. Leaves, a, leaves a, an embedded fear that, by the way, I'm still dealing with mm. um, <laughs> this late in my life. Um, it just leaves that kind of fear and uncertainty, and to some degree, suspicion um, when you think about motives why something's being said. So, um, it is, there are some direct things that have happened to Lisa and I, having pulled a, a gun being pulled on us in St. Louis. Uh, Lisa's laughing about it right now, but a guy came out of his how and pulled a rifle on both of us and actually wanted to kill me. And um, we had something in Chicago. We were married and um, we had, you know, a group of guys driving by in a car uh, said derogatory things to us. So those are probably some of the direct and indirect things yeah. that have just left a indelible impression on me. And, and,
0: and I'm glad that um, we can, we can have this conversation now. I think the, the environment today in 2020 is, uh, is sensitizing people to it. And there's a reason I'm asking for your experience of, of um, uh, the kind of uh condescension that um black americans have dealt with and i think that kind of conversation is very important to have for people to overhear it and lisa did you when you were growing up in st louis did you experience any kind of anti-semitism
1: well i lived a very sheltered life and in terms of that i was always i lived in a jewish community we pretty much stayed within that community we kept kosher, so we never went out to restaurants or uh, things where I might say, no, we're where we're Blacks weren't allowed to go. So I didn't experience, actually, I wasn't even really aware of anti-Semitism other than the awareness from the Holocaust, because that was constantly brought up. All the time. So it really wasn't until I went to college in Iowa where uh, someone used to say, when I went to Iowa, I doubled the Jewish population (laughs) (laughs) there. So, what was it like? And then hearing how the perception that the negative perception that these people had of Jews was kind of a little shocking to me in a sense. Real, I mean, they had really negative views. So, and
0: Was it because um, of they, they had reason to hate Jews or dislike Jews, or was it because they'd never had any contact with Jews? They
1: had never people? had any contact. And they would say that, I never met a Jew, so do they behave this way, or do they look this way? or?
2: I think the thing that um, implicitly um, attracted us to each other and we kind of knew that it would work, uh, though there were cultural differences, um, was, you know, Lisa had some a sense of what, what it felt to be persecuted. She learned some things at University of Iowa before she, before she met me. And she had gone to school with uh, Black kids um, in high school. And so she kind of grown up um, with this sense of, like, from her dad, that people are acceptable no matter who they are, and um, and there was a certain there was never derogatory things said in her family about about people of color at all, particularly African Americans. And on my side of it, though um, we were, though we had to deal with segregation, my dad's emphasis in our family over and over to all five of us, was, yes, these things are true, but know that God is in the midst of it all, and he transcends everything that you're going to see and understand in your life that um, some things you won't understand, but know that God is really for you. And that helped to a great degree.
0: Ron, though you grew up in a a family that where your dad was a pastor, um, you there's a point in which you you saw yourself coming to you owned your own faith. Do you know when the, r- roughly when that was?
2: Yeah, I do. I was at a a funeral of a friend of mine that committed suicide, uh, and I've been struggling up to that point, kind of understand, trying to kind of figure out who I was. And at this funeral, um, the um, this, the pastor gave a simple pl- uh, plan of salvation at the end of his, <laughs> of his sermon. And it was from Ephesians 2 8 and 9. By grace of you, you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, none of works, lest any man should boast. But the 10th the tenth verse, verse which talked about that we are his uh, workmanship, where his design, created to do good works, which he had planned in advance for us to do, that was very powerful. God really has purpose and design for me. And kind of from that point on, I knew that Jesus was the Messiah and that God was, my life was destined to move in some direction uh, associated with Jews. It was a, it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, because the ministry I became involved in was pretty much an all white church. Those two uh, took such an interest in my life and invested in me. I mean, they really invested in me. And these are two people from the South and uh, who have grown up thinking and believing a certain way, but Jesus had really changed their life too, you know? But they saw something in me, and and they nurtured me and and helped me grow spiritually, and and out of that came our relationship with Lisa. That both of them, from the very time I asked them, do you think Lisa Rubenstein will go out with me? <laughs> and Carolyn said yes. I I think she would. And not, not having talked to Lisa and on the other side, when I asked Lisa to go out. She, she did an end around, went to Wayne and said, does this Ron Randall ask everybody to go out or, or am I special? You know, and that's how we got, we started dating. We were married eight years later. I mean,
0: uh, eight months later. Lisa, so uh, you're raised in conservative Judaism.
1: Well, at the time when I first, when people started first talking to me about Jesus as a Messiah, I don't remember consciously seeking anything spiritual in my life, yet there were many little different experiences and incidences that came up. Like I would, uh, people at that time, this was in early 70s, were passing out these very little messianic Bibles that were just prophecies of the Messiah. And I'm like, oh, I want one of those. Never read it, put it in the glove compartment, but I wanted those. And uh, I remember someone asking me at that time, oh, are you going to heaven? And I'm like, yeah. Well, how do you know that? I'm Jewish. I'm going to heaven. (laughs) I got it in already. (laughs) And, And this is very strange. But like one time, I even went into a Catholic church, which Jews don't do to walk down the aisle and light a candle to kind of see if there was, is there something like spiritually enlightening and doing this, um, which really nothing came of that either. But um, I did end up meeting somebody who um, would talk to me about Jesus. And the first thing was when I was hearing about this is, look, I am not giving up my Judaism being Jewish. There's no way I'm doing that. And, Jewish people don't believe in Jesus. Don't even say the name Jesus. And I'm like, so this, that was one thing. Look, I don't, I'm not giving up my Jewishness for anything. And, but, um, a friend then gave me a tractor little pamphlet and, and it was written, um, Isaiah 53, that chapter. And, not that I'd ever read anything from the old Testament or the Hebrew Bible at all, but I read that and I was reading that and it was a description of the Messiah and how the Messiah would suffer and pay for our sins. And I'm reading this and this is a exact kind of Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. This is Jesus. And, it was really kind of like a light like, turned on in me. I'm like, oh, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. And um, it was at that time that I I accepted him as the Jewish Messiah.
0: You mentioned uh, that that um, you, your family didn't talk about Jesus or mention the name Jesus. No. Um, did you ever hear the name used as um, an expression of frustration?
1: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know i think a lot of people i'm don't sure understand.
1: that's true but we didn't. but really after i became a believer it was very hard for me to say that to say jesus it took yeah. me a while to to overcome that because it was always just jews don't believe in jesus right you know and and uh jews were persecuted because of jesus you talked about hearing Christians.
0: hearing about the Holocaust, and right. was there an Holocaust, association with, with
1: roms, all through history. Yeah,
0: you know, the and the idea so, that the people who perpetrated those were people who believed in Jesus.
1: Yes. Well, it was always Jews and them, Jews and Gentiles, us and them, and that's who they they were.
0: They they were the were Christians.
1: Yes. Yeah. Jews and non-jews who i would call christian at that time
0: which you just said is is a reality i don't think a lot of people understand that is built into jewish culture that we we would see um uh we would not distinguish between jews and uh, non-jews and christians the term christian just became um kind of a generic right um that's an off-brand for for everybody else right okay so that lays the the groundwork so each of you came to your own realization of who jesus is and um and so the place that you i was curious about where you met i assume it was your first meeting was at at the the church that you were both attending right Right.
1: Right.
0: um were you married in the church (laughs) they're both laughing
2: (laughs) that's a funny that's a funny story because uh
1: we had my my mother was still somewhat angry at me at that time. And um, we had thought we were just going to have a very small wedding, 40 people. I didn't even know where we were going to have it, at the place where we were yeah, going to have a We were going to have it at this a place reception. where we were going to have a reception, just 40 people. My parents were divorced at this time. And um, it just, as it kept getting closer, I would get more nervous and just really not wanting to go through a ceremony with my whole family there. And my dad kept offering us money. He (laughs) said, well, you can't elope and have get, you know, we'll give you money. And finally, that sounded really great to us.
0: (laughs) Why why were you nervous about having a a wedding ceremony with your family there?
2: Maybe we should, you know, just elope and, and just make it easy for her and um, which we which we finally made a decision to do, and it was just on the spur of the moment. In fact, it was so on the spur of the moment that we forgot to even cancel the cake <laughs> that yeah. we had for that. And so you know, because it was it when the the when we decided to do it, it was on a like Friday, and we got married the next day on a Saturday, and then um, but the wedding was only two weeks away.
1: Yeah,
2: and so. Uh, we canceled everything but the cake.
1: Yeah,
2: And um, so we ended up getting married and we ended up inviting my parents and Lisa's dad yeah. and his wife. And we had a really nice little dinner after that. And we took everybody to dinner and it was great.
0: You're not the, the first couple that I've interviewed that decided to elope <laughs> to avoid the, the landmines. <laughs> and, and as I've done research with couples, I do find that one of the four most difficult periods of cross-cultural interaction is in trying to navigate the bicultural and sometimes more than just two cultures, cult- culture worlds of planning a wedding. So uh-huh, you yeah. have, you have, um, one family looking at the, the potential spouse and, and their culture and possibly their religion
2: yeah.
0: uh, and their ethnicity. And then you have the other side looking back. Were either of you concerned about family uh, resistance to the idea that you were marrying somebody who was white or black, for, Jewish or black? Put it
1: that way. For me, it, I don't think it was so much that Ron was black, but that he wasn't Jewish for, from my mom, you, from okay. my mom's um. standpoint. Um, there were other, Ron had, this was Ron's second marriage. And so I would get a lot of flack about that from my mom. And um, it, it wasn't, I, but I didn't hear a lot about him being black. It was more that he was, wasn't Jewish. I was asked many times, will he convert? To Judaism. Yes, to Judaism. <laughs> yeah.
0: You
2: know, for my family, it was just kind of, they saw this... There's a seven year difference between Lisa and I so they saw you know me with this younger girl at that time he saw as a girl and mm-hmm. and uh, she was Jewish and a believer they know how to, how does that work you know um, and then um, but it as it turned out um, they saw very quickly that you know, this, the life of, of Yeshua reflected in Jesus, I mean, release so. us out. And imagine how it was then, because in 1969, uh, just prior to, like a year prior, the Supreme Court had, had struck down any laws specific to interracial marriages.
0: Yeah, I, I want to underscore that 68 was, 68 yeah. or 69 when, when the Supreme Court literally opened the door and said, okay, Mixed, right. mixed racial marriages are now right. legal. Prior That's to right. that, That's right. they were illegal.
2: That's right. right. And um, so that was, you know, I mean, she got married in 69. Imagine about 78 when Lisa and I were getting married. It became, it wasn't that it was an acceptable thing in St. Louis. It just happened. But it rarely happened between somebody Black and and somebody Jewish if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, which which made it a double whammy, right? Or you know, people would think, oh my gosh, she's black and Jewish. She met a black and she's Jewish. <laughs> and oh my gosh, she's white too. That's really bad. You know, so it was never strange to us. We just knew that, I guess someday I said a little earlier, the common thread was the most important thing is we both love Jesus. Right. and And so... If he has brought us together, then he would show us what we needed to do to, uh, to bridge any gaps that were there. And he's been faithful to do that.
0: In, in believing in Jesus, is it true that he allows us to see both the cultural wrapping that is part of our lives and our, our ethnic um, peoplehood and gifting but through that we see the humanity in one another and the dignity in one another with which god sees us
1: yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, i think i really like the way you put that i agree with that and that's also helped shape well i don't know which came first but that shapes our worldview of other people, also. So not only is that helping our own relationship and valuing one another, but um, as we look at others, you know, in our community, in our country, in our world, that's kind of shaped our fo- philosophy.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think what it allows you, um, seeing that dignity, it allows you on an individual level, to work through some things, too. I mean, though I married Lisa, um, the, all of the do's and don'ts of segregation, they were still um, at... They were still right. They were still deeply embedded. And so I was... What we had done, what I had done, is... Crossed the line, and though I knew I had a legal right to do this, I though I knew I had this this um, a legal right from a law standpoint that there was an you could marry interracially. Uh, though I knew that God had dignity. I mean, He saw the value of dignity of human life in general. And my and we saw each other like that. You still have to give you freedom to kind of work through this deeply embedded stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, it does very much. In fact, when you said earlier yeah. um, that you you still grapple with or, or deal with fears or feelings that were yeah. brought up from er, earlier in your life. Um, as a Jew, Ron, I identify with that from... I don't have the same depth of experience that you do as a Black man. I don't right. have the same... Um, uh, sense of what you might might see as a continual denigration that's systemic um yeah. but my own ex I, I have to wrestle with my own experiences from elementary school yeah. of of being hated for no other reason than somebody said you're a jew for whatever that meant to them right um and and being physically brutalized in college when i finally stepped up and said i'm not going to take this anymore, and ending up in a in an infirmary, I have to wrestle with and maybe maybe i don 't know if this is something that you you grapple with, but I have to find it in my heart as a believer now to forgive those people for their 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 ignorance and and uh, I have to keep bringing that to the lord and and asking him to give me the heart of forgiveness for that
2: that's really neat because um hearing that because it's kind of this whole idea of freedom that we have in in Yeshua, right? How it frees us up to look at our inhibitions, to look at uh, our fears. Um, It also, you know, in that freedom, we come to understand even the grace of God towards us. I know that there are things about me, man, that, oh my gosh, I need the grace and mercy of God to deal with that with me has nothing to do with the race issues. It purely has to do with something in me that uh, is self-centered and wants its own way. I did say something to Lisa yesterday, then, because we're talking about the Holocaust and about the uh, racial injustice. And we're talking about the historical aspects of of anti-Semitism. And so Lisa had to go back and look at the historical aspects of it all the way from Abraham to from from Jacob who became Israel, right? Look at that. And why is that? Well, you know, we could get into the whole theological thing as to why that is. But we know ultimately God has this plan for the Jewish people, period. You know, and they were very special to him. But the story of the Jewish people is remarkable. The most remarkable story other than Jesus to me in history, if that makes sense. How is it that they have a nation now? How is it that that they have maintained their culture over these years? And um, in a sense, they have forgiven a lot of people. They've forgiven nations and gone on to exist. That's
1: a miracle.
0: Well, it's definitely it's, an indication that there's there's a God at work, huh? It does. It really yeah. does. Yeah.
1: But I think it's easier for Ron and I to, um, I think through our marriage to to mesh our cultures together a lot easier than let's say if I was just to marry a, a Christian from a white community. I don't know how to put that in a nicer in a nice way. <laughs> Um, because there is background, there is a thread between the Jewish culture, to me, in a sense, in the Black culture, based on the horrors that they've experienced and the persecution. That kind of brings us our experiences and how we've learned to deal with them, bring us together, to me, a little in an easier way than if I had just married somebody who maybe
2: was a Gentile. Who came yes. A Gentile
1: who came. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say a white Gentile.
0: Who yeah. Came. The, the, um, common experience of being treated as less than human is, is a bond that we understand. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Lisa and I were very intentional with our kids. Um, you know, we celebrated some of the, Uh, You know some of the holidays. You know sometimes we celebrate Pesach. We knew that what we were um, creating for our kids went beyond just uh, race. Um, We also knew there was something around social, um, you know, just uh, class also that. So we wanted our kids to experience what it meant to those who are less fortunate as opposed to those who are fortunate, which I say, privileged, right? Whether they're black or white, that we had to be very intentional about allowing our kids to see both sides. So we would put them in classes in the inner city. So they would have an appreciation for, those who did not have we did this very early on even when they were like seven years old Mm -hmm. you know um and we would talk about some we would talk about things uh in our home um uh, now ultimately we knew they would have to experience some things for themselves uh, which they have but we knew that we had to be very intentional and Lisa and I talked about being very intentional. You know, we've often asked our question, what, how is it that our kids turned out the way they did, you know? <laughs> and we laughed about it all the time. What did we do?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, then then when we talk about it, sometimes I say, Oh, okay. We did. Our faith became more important than let's say playing in a, a league Maybe when it interfered with our faith, the kids couldn't play that way then because this became the priority. And this is how you just, there are certain things that becomes the kind of the priority
0: in life. You're, your situation isn't like anybody else's. Um, yeah. Just because, beside your, beside your faith, um, I think it's important uh, to recognize that you have, have successfully integrated not just biculturalism. But multiculturalism into your lives yeah. because you see the, you see the world both um, from the uh, black perspective, from um, uh, a Jewish perspective, from um, a, a broader white perspective in America, a Christian perspective, yeah. uh, and those are integrated it's and, very true. and things that, that all all find meaning um, and and value rooted in your your joint faith your joint spirituality yes. together in a relationship with the living god that's huge that's just huge and that's not easy to do and i'm glad you, you brought up the the uh, some of what you know you invested in your children i think that's that's super important i, yeah. I think that has been terrific this has been terrific yeah. thank you both
2: thank you
1: thank you yeah.
0: you enjoyed that interview. They're just a terrific couple. It was deeply moving, I think, for all of us. The background to that interview is that it was done in 2020, just a few months after the death of George Floyd in St. Paul, Minnesota, and the uh, national conversation that engendered about race relations. So you have a very personal conversation with um, a couple that endured both racial challenges and anti-Semitism, and then to work that out very personally at their family level. Spiritual harmony is a unique uh, and wonderful experience, and it's a worthwhile pursuit. So if you have any any questions, please feel free to contact me at tuvia at com, And do visit our website and uh, Facebook page and the Instagram page for Jewish Gentle Couples. For now, we'll say Shalom.